0: So, where do we begin?
1: Something horrible was happening in the country, in the CSU, and with our members.
0: COVID-19 is changing our lives. The virus is altering the CSU.
2: This crisis, this pandemic has really brought out and shown us some of the weaknesses and vulnerabilities in our system and our
0: way of life. But how we let it affect us, how we let it affect our anti-racism and social justice work is up to us.
3: And we are up to that task. We are doing that work and the fight continues.
0: Hello and welcome to Radio Free CSU, the official podcast of the California Faculty Association. I'm your host, Audrina Redman. Friends, Let me take you back to a simpler time. Not that long ago. It was January 1 2020 COVID-19 wasn't yet a reality. It wasn't embedded in our lexicon, at least not for most of us anyway. It was a new year, a fresh start, another year to grow our anti racism and social justice advocacy, a year to prepare and begin our bargaining battle, a year to unite as one union. Then the full reality of COVID-19 hit. The coronavirus was real. Thousands of lives lost, social distancing, an economic downturn, 17 plus million Americans on unemployment. And for those of us in the CSU, huge changes in how we're teaching, learning and organizing. Our lives have been turned upside down in the past several weeks. Over the next few months, we will be examining the ways in which the reality of COVID-19 has necessitated faculty and student adaptation to changes in teaching and learning. The ways in which vulnerable CSU populations are affected, what's happening with our bargaining, checking in with our educational partners, and of course, preparing for the fall. In this episode, we take you to what COVID-19 has meant for CFA, our members, and the CSU. I'm joined today by CFA President, Charles Toombs, CFA Vice President, Kevin Weir, and CFA Associate Vice President for Lectures, Megan O'Donnell. Thank you all for being here. Charles, let's start with you. Take us back to three weeks ago when the CSU response to COVID-19 was to move immediately toward virtual modalities and away from in-class teaching. What was the focused work of CFA at that time? And with the call from the chancellor's office, what became CFA's immediate responsibility to our membership?
1: It was on Sunday, March 8th, that uh, CSU Vice Chancellor Evelyn Nazario, Uh, wanted a call with me, uh, Kevin Weir, and Kathy Sheffield, uh, our Director of Representation and Bargaining. And during that call, uh, we were informed that the move was going to be to go virtual. We, of course, had a lot of questions about what virtual meant. And I think on that first call, uh, the CSU administration was not quite clear on what it meant. Uh, either mm-hmm. uh, the next day we normally have a Monday morning planning call every week with CFA leader, member leaders and staff. On that call, we knew that we had to immediately change how we were communicating with each other as leaders but also with our members. Uh, and we decided immediately that our calls would have to be every day and as things escalated so quickly after that first call uh, events were just changing sometimes it seemed by the hour our immediate concern really was for the well-being of our members and our students so we were concerned about the health and safety of our members Uh, we knew there would be a lot of questions they would have so we were trying to uh, make sure that we were communicating to all faculty in that way. My first reaction is that something horrible was happening uh, in the country, in the CSU, and with our members. Uh, So it's a lot of uncertainty that was occurring. And I knew that our leadership team, again, our member leaders and our staff, that we had to be on top of all the events as they were unfolding.
0: A lot going on. Uh, Kevin. You know, even with infections in California, the, ca- the change came slowly for our faculty. It started out as updates every few days, which is what Charles was saying um, in March that it was like that. Then every day, then every few hours, once we knew of the infections in California. Can you talk a little bit to us about the slow roll through the stages of shutdown and the shift to virtual instruction for the 23 different CSU campuses? Yeah, absolutely.
2: Um, it was, in some ways, a slow roll, as you say. But uh, in, uh, for a lot of our faculty, it felt like a very sudden uh, and jarring transition. Um, It did move across the campuses in different ways. The East Bay, uh, San Jose, and San Francisco campuses were the first ones to shut down uh, completely and move to an entirely virtual environment. Uh, But even in the Bay Area, it was uneven. The Sonoma campus uh, uh, took a little bit longer, and then the Maritime campus in Vallejo was one of the very last uh, Mm -hmm. to shut down completely. So uh, just in the the Bay Area, you can see how uneven it was, mm-hmm. and of course, Sacramento uh, was uh, pretty close behind, and then uh, Los Angeles, others in the Los Angeles region, and then all of a sudden, the governor uh, puts forward the the shelter in place order, and and everything came to a came to a stop on the campuses, and it's uh, it, it's actually still uneven, if you can believe it. Charles just mentioned that there were some difficulties in. Um, uh, librarians and counselors and coaches and uh, having them move to a virtual environment. Um, In some ways, uh, especially with the librarians, that's quite ironic given that they are uh, often the ones who are most advanced in terms of digital literacy and were busy teaching the rest of the faculty how to uh, move to an online environment or a virtual modality. Um, So the libraries uh, eventually were uh, shut down, And uh, yet we still have some counselors that are still going to campus on a rotating basis to meet one-on-one with uh, students who are, who many of them remain on campus in the dorms uh, because they have nowhere else to go. Mm -hmm. Uh, This crisis, this pandemic has really brought out and shown us some of the weaknesses and vulnerabilities in our system and our way of life. Um, And it's really put a, a quite a fine point on uh, housing insecurity and food insecurity uh, amongst uh, members of the CSU community writ large. Uh, so we see students who don't have access to technology and uh, real challenges to moving to a virtual modality of instruction when uh, they don't have internet at home. And maybe they need to use uh, you know a, a hotspot that uh, some campuses have been lending out or laptops that some campuses have been lending out. And this is as true for our faculty as it is for our students. We have a lot of faculty, uh, particularly uh, uh, low time base or part-time lecturers uh, who don't have access to uh, laptops themselves. Um, So there was a a mad scramble on many of our campuses to provide as many uh, laptop uh, loaners to students and faculty as possible. Um, But of course, it was uh, impossible to cover all of the gaps.
0: You know, Megan, given what Charles said and what Kevin just said and started to touch on in terms of the vulnerable populations in this CSU, I'm wondering how our most vulnerable faculty, uh, the CSU lecturers who actually make up 60 percent of those who are teaching in the CSU, how are they feeling? What, what messages are you getting from people? What have been their anxieties and worries expressed to you?
3: as Kevin kind of mentioned, the moment the shelter in place rules went into effect, um, it wasn't just our vulnerable students, but a lot of our faculty who, it became very clear, were not equipped with the necessary resources and tools mm-hmm. to successfully you know, move things to virtual modalities. Um, so a lot of faculty were panicked around not having internet at home Um, Some of our faculty live in rural parts of the state where the internet is terrible and and they can't do very much without things crashing. Um, We even had some faculty that first week of virtual instruction teaching their classes in their cars outside of Starbucks because that was the only way they could get access to strong enough Wi-Fi to run a Zoom um, class online. So Um, You know, I think at the campus level in particular, our leaders have been really amazing to responding to those anxieties and those real concerns. um, Fighting for things like Wi-Fi hotspots for faculty, making sure that they have access to quality computers where they can do this work. um, And then making sure that they are not being unduly punished um, for what these courses actually look like. You know, when you only have four days to transition courses to an entirely different modality than what you were prepared for, faculty were really concerned around how that would impact things like student evaluations or performance evaluations. Um, And for contingent faculty, those evaluations really have a huge impact in things like promotion and personnel decision. I don't think a lot of people realize, like you said, how much of our curriculum in the CSU is taught by contingent faculty. Um, I think for general education, it's close to 80%. Um, And so we have some lecturers in particular who are trying to virtually teach, you know, upwards of four, five classes and manage in some cases, childcare or or homeschool for their own families at home. Um, For a lot of our faculty, they teach on multiple campuses. It's the only Mm -hmm. way they can make a decent enough living to survive in the state of California. And so we do even have some lecturers who are trying to transition and teach seven classes online. I mean, it's, it's really, really a Herculean task that has been given to them. And overwhelmingly I think they have faced it with unbelievable um, strength and resiliency. Um, but it is a huge concern and it's a huge challenge.
0: Yeah. I, I, I've thought a lot about lectures and uh, managing that many classes and potentially managing that many classes between different CSU campuses who are moving at different paces with this virtual modality uh, and the and the many changes that keep coming, even still, there, there are changes coming. But that, that makes me wonder, Kevin, uh, if you could paint me a picture of life on the virtual campus. We're hearing a lot.
2: <laughs> um... But it's, uh, but it's coming in a, in a really strange way, right? Because, uh, you know, now we're uh, Zooming and using these different video chat platforms and we're having phone conference calls, but we don't have that face-to-face interaction. So things are, are really in many ways quite different. Um, we are such deeply social beings. Uh, you know, having this isolated in place uh, order can, can be really difficult. It can be really stressful. Um, and of course, there's just a, a generalized anxiety, uh, which sometimes can can be even panic inducing. So there's a lot to balance. One of the things that we've been doing um, uh, on all of the campuses is making sure that we have the ability to uh, put a pause on the tenure clock so that people are not harmed uh, in the promotion process because of this. Um, And it's, you know, it's true for all the different areas. It's true in in the library, you know, the NCAA canceled all of the sporting events um, very prudently. They did that fairly early on. Um, So the, you know, the coaching duties have shifted. They're even having trouble, of course, doing recruiting because they can't travel to see uh, student athletes uh, perform. Uh, So things are changing uh, pretty dramatically throughout the entire CSU community uh, as we make these adjustments. Um, and, you know, I think the most important thing to, to hold on to, and this is something that uh, in our union, we've been saying to one another and that we've been communicating to our members and uh, uh, quite consistently is that we need to focus on staying safe, staying healthy, being kind to one another, uh, because those are the things that are going to battle the stress and panic uh, and the anxiety.
0: Charles, you know, We in CFA are, we've come to think of ourselves as a strong social justice organization. We've been working on AB 1460, which was the ethnic studies bill, um, the requirement bill. Um, And then what felt like in the blink of an eye, that work halted at the state capitol because of the shutdown. Um, Has COVID-19 changed how we are engaging in our anti-racism and social justice work?
1: Well, it has changed how we are doing it right now since we're doing it virtually. Um, What has not changed, though, is the central role that anti-racism and social justice plays. in the organization, uh, as early as March 4th, CFA issued a statement in support of uh, Asian and Pacific Islander communities, and we have since issued additional uh, statements in support of those communities. Uh, we certainly know now uh, of the impact that COVID-19 is having on uh, many communities of color, particularly the African American community, uh, Native American, and Indigenous populations in the United States. So uh COVID-19 actually just uh, assures us uh that the work that we are doing in terms of anti-racism and social justice is what we should be doing uh adrena you mentioned our work on ab uh uh, 1460 the ethnic study requirement bill and as you said the uh, legislature they're staying at home uh at this point The bill is where it was before they left, and that is it will come before the Senate. Uh, We don't know what the impact of that is going to be, uh, whether the governor will sign it even if it passes the Senate, but we will put our energies there. Anti-racism and social justice means that we have to be concerned about the total human being. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so... CFA is continuing that work and I'm so proud that we're doing it. We can still uh, continue our process of educating folks and sometimes that's what our anti-racism and social justice work is. Uh, We have to educate folks. We have to let them know that some folks do not have the same opportunities as others uh, and that we're there to support all of our members. So our work continues and uh, it actually makes us stronger so
0: Megan um, you know what's next what happens next where where are we in this whole thing can we say with any definition where we are
3: you know I think that's a really good question um, I, I think there's still a lot of growing concerns and uncertainty about what the future is gonna hold um, there's a lot of anxiety as Kevin mentioned around the future mm-hmm. um, around the CSU budget around fall enrollment Um, And these are real human concerns, and particularly for the most vulnerable amongst us, for contingent faculty, they know that those things directly impact their ability to have, you know, food on their table and pay their bills and maintain health care. And so those are real concerns that our faculty are feeling. But as Kevin mentioned, you know, CFA's path forward is by fighting for our faculty based on the information that we have, good information, not rumors and speculation. And we are up to that task. We are doing that work and the fight continues. Mm -hmm. Um, We're gonna lead on behalf of our members, um, regardless of the new challenges that arise as a result of COVID-19. You know, I mean, unions are built for this moment and this Mm -hmm. is what we are here to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I have to say, That CFA in particular has shown such amazing courage and leadership really in how we have fought for our faculty already. Um, Whether it's, you know, really centering the work of anti-racism and social justice, ensuring that our advocacy is about protecting all of our faculty, coaches, counselors, librarians, lecturers you know we are well equipped to continue to do this work on behalf of our members and the fight continues i mean the fight is never ending and and we're up to the challenge and we're we're going to be in it for the long haul
0: Mm -hmm.
3: um, really regardless of what covid 19 or whatever challenges may arise in the future Mm
0: -hmm. charles what are some of the concerns we should put that are, are are on your mind as someone who's in the midst of this on a daily basis
1: i have a concern for the continuing health and safety and well-being of our faculty our students and our staff i am concerned about what the economic impact is going to be nationally in the state of california and in our local communities uh, and related to that is uh, my concern and my fight and TFA's fight uh, to uh, make sure that we're not losing job losses. So uh, it is a time of austerity, but this is not going to be a time for the CSU to uh, impose austerity measures uh, when they, in fact, uh, do have rainy day funds. Uh, and we're going to fight and demand, as we should as a union, uh, for our members to have jobs so that they can provide for their families. Uh, I'm also concerned about uh, the fact that we must continue uh, to make sure that the CSU is honoring our collective bargaining agreement. I know uh, our chapter leaders have. Uh, during their meetings with the campus administration have been emphasizing that you can't make these decisions if they're in violation of our collective bargaining agreement Uh, I want to be hopeful I know that as Megan has said we are a courageous faculty we have stepped up up to the plate with little preparation to continue to provide quality education for our students Uh, We know that we make a significant contribution uh, to the state. If you think about nurses and teachers and firefighters and police, they're all educated in the CSU. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we certainly want uh, the governor and we want the legislature to continue to support and maintain the CSU. We know we all may have to make a few small sacrifices Uh, And we're making those, but we know the health of the CSU system is going to lead to the health of the state of California. So we have a big fight in the sense that we have to be real clear uh, to the CSU uh, that we have demands that we continue to support faculty, students, and staff. We want the CSU to be aware that this move to virtual instruction has had impact on faculty, students, and staff, and that they should work with us to try and make the system as whole as we can as we look to uh, the fall term. Mm -hmm.
0: Thank you so much, Charles. Thank you so much, Kevin. Thank you so much, Megan. Next time on Radio Free CSU, we examine the great adaptation and changes to teaching and learning the lessons that emerge from the emergency virtual teaching. This has been Radio Free CSU.